Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. Today we're in the shop and my name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my brother Devin. Hello. And today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about our Bushcraft Axe video, which just hit 1 million views, our first 1 million view video. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about our podcast crutches that we figured out after <laughs> recording our first podcast. Uh, and then also we'll just go into a little bit about what we've been doing this week. Do I contradict myself? Very well. Then I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. All right. That's our quote for the week for the episode. And that's um, Walt Whitman. Do I contradict myself? I figured I'd use a, a famous American poet for this kind of american episode all right yeah we just had fourth of july here over the past weekend and uh we'll get into a little bit about that about what we were doing over the weekend later on the episode but. yeah i no, i love that quote it's it's a good um for one you can always backtrack you don't have to commit to what you've already said do i do i contradict myself that's fine i'm large i contain multitudes <laughs> I, it's I, I many ideas right floating around right yeah exactly if it's something that you've done or said it's it's not the only time you've ever said it or ever done it and it's not the only thing you believe in right <laughs> there's lots there, of there's stuff gray areas there. so right. you can be in one mood and say something one way and then be in a much better mood and be like ah well that doesn't really matter uh yeah that's that's actually yeah that's a great quote um that reminds me of another quote by uh, an abstract expressionist artist, and I can't remember who said it exactly. It may have been, uh, I can't remember. But he said, um, uh, art is like the smile on the Cheshire cat, something like this. I'm paraphrasing, but, um, you know, the art is what you see on the front. So in the movie Alice in Wonderland, the Cheshire cat smiles and everything else disappears and you see a smile. And art is like that. Everything that you see behind the art behind the painting, you don't see that. You don't see all the inspiration and everything that that person's ever done or ever seen or ever looked at. Like, you know, mm. my, my painting might look like one thing, but I have so much more behind it. That's, that's reinforcing the idea. Yeah. You know, just because, uh, myself for me, you know, just because I'm a landscape painter doesn't mean that 
everything that I haven't seen has influenced my painting some way or another. Right. And you, you are yeah. large. You contain multitudes. I contain multitudes. <laughs> I am large. <laughs> and that's, uh, um, I was thinking of the axe itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's a building tool. It's a weapon of war. Mm-hmm. It clears nature and it helps make it better in right. certain ways, right? You got to right. clear something out to make a beautiful cabin. So it's always both sides, right? It, it was a, uh, a, a American Eastern coast, East coast tool to help clear and help develop this country right yeah but it also contains yeah. multitudes it also also cleared lands that right maybe weren't meant to be cleared right yeah, obviously the down Na- right native americans and, right yeah exactly clearing yeah. land that maybe you know but it, it our history contains multitudes and uh, a tool like the axe yeah it, it maybe, and that's, yeah. maybe we contradict ourselves yeah that that and that leads into the fourth of july and just you know what our country represents and obviously you know we have all sorts of you know not the greatest history. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff that we don't have to be proud of. Um, and that's everybody around the world, but we contain multitudes. There's so much there underlying what the ax is and what our country is about. And, you know, and the 4th of July right. and what we're, what we're representing and what we're celebrating. Right. Uh, we we freedom. We want to, yeah, we want to celebrate that. And, um, there's nothing wrong with getting together with people and having a cookout. Right. So go do that no matter what your reason for it. Right. Exactly. It doesn't really matter in the end. It's just you getting together with family yeah. and having a good time. Right. Exactly. We need more excuses. Yeah. Us. We need, we need excuses just to do that because sometimes right. months will go by and you don't see people. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we have the benefit of working together. So, you know, but between the two of us, we have two other brothers that we don't, you know, we don't see as much. I mean, we see them often enough, which is great, but, Really, you know, it's a good reason to get together with some people that you love and hang out and talk and, you know, reminisce about years past. And I mean, we have a tradition uh, where we go out on a boat with a f- some friends of ours for 4th of July. And we've been doing it pretty consistently for, I would say, the last maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years or so. Just those things, you know, keep those traditions alive. Keep those those gatherings and those people that you, you love and you trust and you want to uh, be a part of your life. Yeah. So. And there's nothing wrong with being patriotic every once in a while. Right. We all can do it. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, uh, speaking of 4th of July, I went up. I, me, My wife and I, we wanted to get some fireworks because here in Maryland, they're not legal. So you got to drive to another state. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that we would ever do that. No, of course um, But we had the idea on July 3rd to get some fireworks and drive up to Pennsylvania and try to get them. Plenty of time. And that was the worst. (laughs) On on the way up, we're thinking, well, it's probably not the best day to do it. And uh, maybe maybe it'll just be really busy in the store. And when we got there, there was a line wrapped around the parking lot, (laughs) past another (laughs) store, and then looped around again. Right. And I'm sure that was, that's not only because it was July 3rd, but that's because in Maryland, you know, we have, it has been, it was said that there's going to be no public fireworks display displays. Right. So nothing that's put on by different counties where every you know year in the past, there's always you know, a dozen different displays that you can go to around the, around the state, you know, different mm-hmm. counties, you can go downtown to the inner Harbor here in Maryland in Baltimore. There's all sorts of different stuff that you can do, but this year there was not the governor said that we would not be uh, doing, allowing any displays this year. So 
everyone was buying their own fireworks. Everybody was. Everyone. Yep. And we showed up, and it was, and we stood in line for maybe half an hour, and then we saw a woman walking past, and we asked her, you know, what uh, what's it like in there? She's like, well, good luck, you guys. It's about a two hour, two hour wait from here, <laughs> and it was Ooh. so hot out. It's been so hot out lately. Oh man. And uh, I, my wife is pregnant, so we're standing there in the sun. We're like, uh, maybe we're not going to do this. And it was weird. Everyone was really close together. Mm, yeah. No one. And, and I'd say two-thirds of the people weren't wearing masks. Mm, yeah. That's and uh, we're just strange. like, come on, why? And right. we were leaving space in front of us just a little bit. Mm. And just for comfort. Usually, you know, we don't all have don't to squeeze all, together. Especially two-hour wait. Yeah. And the people right behind us were crowding us, like trying to push us up like, we're waiting two and a half hours to get fireworks. Why are you right behind me? Right. Why are you trying to move me up so we'll be two minutes, like not even, like you'll be three seconds like, in the door quicker? I'm 6'1 and 250 pounds. Someone's not going to step in front of me into that gap. Right. I got it. Oh, I got we'll, it. I'll we'll be fine. slip in here and take your position in line. And that. you have a pregnant wife. Come on. There's all sorts of different reasons why. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. not going to jump in. Same you know, for me and, and my wife. But so we, we were, we left. Right. It was it was oh, a, yeah. a failed trip. Oh man! Oh, after all that, I was waiting for the happy ending. No, it was there. <laughs> we left. We drove home with nothing. Oh. We found um, some sparklers in our, <laughs> and we went we went up to her um, her parents' house, and oh, he had some ground stuff because here in Maryland you can buy uh, uh, candles and stuff. Things right, that just shoot, candles. Yeah, and... they shoot up like ten, fifteen, and they're cool. Yeah. It was a good pack. We, we had fun. Yeah, yeah. So we actually, uh, my wife and I and our daughter and our daughter went out to. Uh, a friend of ours boat, like I was saying. Uh, so we all go out on 4th of July and go different places. In the past, we've taken the boat all the way uh, up into the Inner Harbor and gone up and see the fireworks there. We've gone on different boats over the years, but this year, because there are no specific uh, state or you know no, local government-run um, uh, fireworks displays, we just went up to up the river to a friend of ours who had went up sometime in the near in the near past and gotten a bunch of different fireworks he probably spent 2500 or 3000 dollars worth of fireworks so we knew that he was going to be shooting off his display so we took the boat up the river to where his house is and it was by far the best spot we've been in years and because of the fact that everyone was buying their own fireworks so we had this 360 degree view of fireworks <laughs> all around us all on the shore and all good stuff too i mean occasionally you'd get like a bottle rocket would go yeah. off and stuff but almost everyone was some type of mortar or some big explosion thing or you know a whole a, like a bucket of 25 you know they set it off and do, 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 everything goes and <laughs> flies but it literally was all around us and we parked the boat and threw out the anchor and swam around for a while and just watched fireworks it was awesome watched our buddies uh deck light on fire and he had to run out and put it out that was fun he was like oh, i got it hold on we were talking to him on the phone all right i gotta go hold on i gotta go put my fire out before i do the next display which will be you know a 300 uh bucket of things that are going to go off so but that was really fun and it was great just to get out again and and in years past we've done you know we've kind of wrapped it up with a bunch of different boats and stuff and we'll all hang out but you know this year being the COVID 19 year we just there was another boat that came out, but we just kind of separated out and they, they anchored and we anchored and, you know, we didn't raft up. So, yeah, but it was still nice to be out there with those people and a few, a, good few, time. a few close, close friends and, and some family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Good time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So hopefully you guys all had a good time. And if you're not from the States, hope you just, uh, 
had a nice cookout somewhere. Right. <laughs> enjoy enjoy the weekend. Yeah, it was fun. Enjoy whatever your uh, holiday is. Yeah. And uh, another thing, something else I've been working on this past week, I've, I've been putting a lot of time and effort into getting the shop kind of reorganized since we put up the new grinder station, moved stuff around and cleaned up the back of the shop and found this old uh, coffee table that I have had in the shop for a while because I've gotten it from a friend's parents and... Uh, it was nice, but not something I was necessarily going to use in the house, but it has this really nice piece of granite on top, maybe a foot and a half by four feet or so. And, and the base is, you know, a decent wood base. So I moved that out of the shop and started looking at it. And I realized the base, I measured it's just about the same exact size as the space below my main bench in the middle of the shop. So that's like perfect. So, and it would, it would fit in from the ends, but not from the front and back because it was a little wider, but I just recently shored up the ends with these big cross bases, two by tens and put them all together. So it's like, well, what do I do? Do I pull it? pull one off and slide it in. So start figuring out and wedging it in and got it to fit in just perfectly kind of wiggled it in the front. And so it's really nice. And I have this beautiful, uh, coffee table underneath of my desk with two chair, two drawers, which is really nice. I can keep all my knife making supplies, things there, but the top I'm going to be cutting in half and giving half to, uh, to my buddy, Sean from, uh, his YouTube channel is crafting a life. I want definitely, definitely go check him out. But uh, he's he's a knife maker and a hobbyist just like we are. So uh, I'm going to give him half of it. I'm going to take half of it just as a nice big flat stone surface to do flattening for any type of sharpening or, you know, handle scales, things like that. So it'll be nice having a big one. I've been using just a foot square uh, stone tile, which has worked really well. And I can get them for a dollar here and there. So that's been nice. But this will be nice. It'll just be a little bit heavier and a little bit bigger surface so I can tape down different, you know, grits of sandpaper and things like that it should work really well for for that purpose so i'm excited the fun things coming up in the shop yeah we'll see you'll see the uh a new v- knife video we're working on and i don't know it might be might be out by the time this is out because we're, we're um recording a few podcasts ahead of time just to have a nice backlog so yep. we, d- we don't get um uh, I don't get bogged down and have to have to hurry up right, and record like, oh, an episode that's going to And we'd be like shitty. to we'd like to re- <laughs> record them uh, quicker to the you know the day of that right. it releases so we can talk but you know we're not really doing current events so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And uh but you'll see the new shelf it's under the main table. Yeah. In the shop that you always video. see Dustin introducing himself in the beginning. Um so we did our first podcast, and we've already learned that we have a couple vocal crutches. <laughs> or the one big one is, you know. <laughs> Apparently, we say that a lot. And <laughs> it's it's almost like um. It's an um, or it's yeah. uh, that, you know, just space. We just have to learn. So sorry about that, everyone. We say you know a lot. We're trying to. We're trying to work on it. And we're listening. We're, we're listening back and trying to get this whole audio-only format down. Right. Yeah, and we actually, I noticed it really a lot on our recent podcast that we were on, not our podcast, but we were actually on Brian House's podcast called Work For It, uh, who's another podcast that's in the Makery Network. And we were on his his podcast and we had a great time. It was really awesome. So thank you, Brian, for inviting us. That was a super fun time and got to talk to him and uh, his co-host Trent and talk about YouTube stuff and give him some pointers and tips and talk about us and and a little bit, you know, what we've been doing. But 
definitely heard myself say, you know, a lot. <laughs> I'm like, well, I, you know, I obviously I'm going to hear myself saying it. So I'm assuming that other people are as well, but maybe not. And I, I noticed that Brian said it a few times throughout the episode, but compared to me, I was obviously listening to myself. I heard myself say it a lot. <laughs> so those things are getting, like you said, we got to get used to the vocal only format. Right. And, and we're not, we're not, um, cutting and chopping. We're just yeah. letting the whole thing run. Right. So we're not really stopping and starting and cutting stuff out to make us sound good. We're going to try our best to improve. <laughs> we'll try to sound good without making ourselves sound good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, with this, the raw format and just recording it all and not a lot of editing unless, you know, we do something like forget a line or say something wrong. But otherwise, it's going to be, it's going to, we're going to come to you as we are and try to get better at doing this. It's yeah. been fun so far. So hang with us. If you if you yeah. turned off the first one because you heard us say you know a lot, it'll be better. Right. Um, yeah, but that was fun. That uh, podcast with Brian was great. And the software that we've been using and that he uses is uh, it's called Cast. It's really great. It's, it's sound, It feels like you're sitting right next to him. Yeah. Chatting with him. Yeah. No, that was, no latency. That was super awesome. No latency. Really good uh, sound quality. So. We're going to try to do the same thing. So it won't always just be Dustin and I talking about our videos. We really want to get out there and talk to some people. And we already have a a long list of people we want to have on. Yeah, absolutely. And we already have some that are kind of lined up to do it. Like who who, who we know want to do it. So we'll just find days. So I'm hoping that down the line it'll be like half and half. Right. We'll have guests and then we won't really have a format. We'll just chat with them because those, those are the best. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the fun things about our channel and about this podcast will be reminiscing about videos and talking about things we've done. And, and for obviously for those artists that we bring on that are uh, content creators or something, we could kind of reference something that they've done and talk about what they've done and and go back and look back and (laughs) look at their first, uh, their first videos or their first (laughs) podcast. And what did you say a lot? Right. A lot of ums or uhs or, or pauses (laughs) or just, I I don't know what I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Just sitting there in silence. Like I did on the first one. (laughs) Now, what do I say? (laughs) So speaking of that, we actually have a topic today. We're going to be talking about our bushcraft acts video, which just hit 1 million views. Yeah. So congratulations, Dev. That's been awesome. And thank you. Uh, congratulations, Dustin. Thank you. That was Pat shot ourselves on the back back in 2018. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was a fun video at the time. Again, one of those ones that I didn't necessarily think was going to do super well, but it took off and has stayed doing really well. And we're over a million views on it now, which is really cool. Right. And that was, um, yeah, and that's not a throwaway video, but it was like, can, what can we do quick? Right. Dustin, you know, said, I, I kind of mod these different axes and, and make them look like this and make them more useful for what I like to do. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. We'll, we'll do it. And that was our first video that really took off. It's one of those things where it gets, whatever, 100,000 views overnight. And you're like, right. oh, okay, this is great. Yeah. It also spoiled us because after that, <laughs> a video gets 2,000. You're like, oh, man, what did we do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. What? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Again, who knows what's going to hit? It's like, you know, I do a mod video a mod video on the axe just because it's it's something that I can do quick and it's interesting and it looks nice. And I'm like, oh, this will be cool, you know. But from what we had done so far, that 
it wasn't something that we thought would do great. We had, we had done a restoration on a double bit ax video and it had done okay, but not great. Not as good as our knife making videos. So it was that kind of, all right, well we'll do this cause we need, you know, we're making content. So some of our things that we do only take a day or two and some take more time. And so we like to mix that up. So it's not just always like long videos or just always short videos. We really like to keep it kind of keep it mixed in there. And that's one of the ones where who knows, you know, you just try it and then, and then it has a million views. Yeah. <laughs> so and that took about, I guess it's a year and a half ago. Now we yeah. made that. Yeah. It seems uh, forever ago it does seem in like YouTube time. time. Yeah. And people are always like, I know it's a, or they'll comment on an older video. I know it's an older video, but I still like, I want to say this and that. And, uh, they, they are older, but they're all current to us. We get comments from them all. Right. So hopefully the, the content in the videos, it's never, it's not topical. We don't do topical stuff. So an axe video should stay entertaining right. for years because it'll always be about this thing or, you know, we're not doing the new tech or a review of this new thing. Or, right. That's going to lose or, its potency. Or can you yeah. believe what this right. news story is? Right. Hopefully they just keep living and then a year and a half later you can get a million views or your, your first million. Right. And obviously things will go in and out of fashion. You know, there's all sorts of different like roller coaster effect for fashion, like, like uh, blacksmithing is right now. It's super hot and everyone's loving it and everyone's doing all sorts of stuff with blacksmithing, which is great. Um, but it's, it's something that will stand the test of time. It won't fall out of fashion completely. It's going to come back and it'll, things will go away and come back as they do. So like you were saying, we want to, we like doing videos like that things about stuff that is, can be made and is always going to need like an ax and a knife and tools, things like that. Those are things are, I mean, that's, that they go along with the history of humanity. Right. And I think if anything, it will become more popular. Right. I mean, maybe not as, or, but as manufacturing goes away and as things aren't made by America, you know, it's all Chinese. And then right. the more of that happens, I think slowly we're all starting to recognize that. Um, yeah. We want to see things made either by our own hand or uh, here in our country. Cause all the, uh, everything, it's going away. We're not making stuff, right. but that is, I think that's surging back. Yeah. And that's not to say that things made in other countries aren't, you know, quality things sometimes because there are, there are well, plenty right. of things made in Korea and China and things that are quality, but yeah. there's, there's just a, you know, obviously it's a pride thing, but it's also just a, you know, an economic thing. We want to bring those jobs and those things back into the States and have some things here, you know, so you have a variety. Yeah, we want to keep a variety and there are some, there is like a resurgence of that kind of craft in the United States, which is great. You know, people like Liam Hoffman and, um, I don't know, there's, um, council tool and, um, what's his name? There's the, uh, Toronto blacksmith, you know, he's in Canada, but, but there are, you know, there's a resurgence of making crafting quality things again. Yeah. Um, and, and that, yeah, that's not, uh, we, we have the American pride thing cause that's where we're from and right. that's what we want to see. Right. Of course. But that the English are doing it. Germans, every Australia, right. everywhere, yeah. um, Asian countries, everyone's doing it. Right. People don't, there's a human, uh, something deep inside you that doesn't want just something pumped out of a factory dirt cheap. Right. We all have some of that stuff, but we want, absolutely. we want, uh, beauty in the things we buy yeah which and is something that you can <laughs> there's so much stuff we spend hundreds of dollars on and then in a couple of years it's broken or you throw it away and it just doesn't mean anything to you right right and that yeah that actually kind of leads into us talking about this video um so for the axe the bushcraft axe video 
the idea was to take a half hatchet and a half hatchet is um, also called a rigger's hatchet or um, a carpenter's hatchet. They're all kind of similar. It's basically a hatchet that has a flat bit. So the, the, the cutting edge is flat and it has a hammer on the backside. Um, and it, it's, it's called a half hatchet. Or one of the reasons why it's called a half hatchet is because it's half of like a claw hatchet or another style of hatchet where basically the bit, the cutting edge was, if you imagine a half circle, and you cut it in half and the flat edge is the cutting edge. And on the backside you have a hammer or, you know, a claw or even just a bit. If you cut that in half top to bottom, then you have what is a half hatchet. So it's flat on top. It has a quarter of a circle, has a flat bit, usually it has a nail puller and then it has a hammer on the backside. And, and what, um, yeah, what's that mainly used for traditionally? Uh, yeah. So, so half hatchets were designed for, uh, carpenters and for woodworkers. I mean, you know, really it was, it was a tool that they could use as a hammer, but then they could also use it to cut out, you know, a a notch in a piece of wood or something, or if there's a nail or something, you could use it to chop a nail. So basically it gave you a cutting tool that was heavy along with your hammer, just more versatile. Again, just one tool or multiple tools in one thing. So especially for carpenters and for tradesmen where they're carrying all of their stuff on their tool belt, this gave them multiple tools in one. And anytime you can put more than one tool in one thing and you're carrying it with you on your body, that's, you know, that gives you that benefit of not having to go back and saving your time and time is money. Right. So, yeah, so I, um, I went and took one of those, I cut off the nail puller. So I basically flipped the bottom. So instead of it being a corner, like a quarter round of corner of a circle, I flipped it the opposite way. And so cut that out to make it more of a bearded ax. I reprofiled the bit a little bit. So I brought the the heel, which is the bottom part of the cutting blade. And I rounded it back some and I rounded that blade. So it wasn't completely flat, which just makes it a little bit easier to cut when you're cutting wood and you're doing all sorts of bushcraft and camping techniques, because a rounded bit, it's easier to hit on something and get it to cut if it's round than it is if it's flat, because if you hit it at a little bit of an angle and it's flat, it's going to bump forward. You're not going to get all the, the force behind your swing, but if it's rounded, it doesn't really matter. You have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more play in where you can hit and get the same amount of force cut. Hmm. Um, so I rounded the bit and I cut off the majority of the hammer pole because the hammer is not super needed for camping or bushcraft. And you know, I, I wanted to keep a little bit there because I like the look of it and it gives you a surface to be able to drive tent stakes or who knows anything, you know, use it for whatever you want, but because it's not, it's not really designed to hit nails anymore. Right. It doesn't necessarily need to be hard. You know, the hardness of the steel is going to be plenty hard to do what you need for bushcraft and camping, you know, things. So, so yeah, I did that and then I uh, put a new handle on it and, um, the handle was from an old, uh, an old, uh, double bit ax. So it was a straight handle rather than a curved handle and, um, it worked out really well and it was fun. And at the end we got to get together with some friends and throw it at some targets and drinks of beers, which is fun and also lent itself to a lot of comments on the video about what we were doing. Uh, but definitely, you know, using the tools that I have to make a tool, uh, work better for myself was fun. And, um, talking about having things made in USA, a lot of the tools that I use in the shop are, uh, are from Harbor Freight. And a lot of people recognize <laughs> that in the video. <laughs> a lot of, I think our, our, our most liked, uh, comment was a comment specifically about that. Yeah. Um, let's see, do I have that one to read or do you have that one to read? I think I might. Yeah, I want to say about the title is Making a Bushcraft Axe. 
Now, mm. are we making it, and is it an axe? Mm-hmm. It can be. It can be called an axe. Right. There, obviously, everything can be called many different things. Right. People might get your hard time because it, it, it is a hatchet also. Right. But an axe yeah. can be a hatchet. It's, right. It's like calling a, a screwdriver a screwdriver and saying, no, it's a Phillips. You know, it's, right. well, it's a screwdriver to start with. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, an axe is a tool that's designed to... I guess be on a handle or, you know, even before that it was just a stone that had weight behind it and a sharp edge. So you could use it for chopping. So an ax is anything that's basically used for chopping. That's got a sharp edge on it. Yeah. Whether that is a hatchet, which is a small ax or, you know, a tomahawk, <laughs> which again is another, uh, small ax. They're all axes. And so there have been a lot of comments about that too. Yeah. That's, it's not an ax. It's a hatchet or, why call it bushcraft? Why isn't it just not? That's that's one of those things as YouTube content creators that we're always thinking about titles. You got. I mean, we're playing to an audience, so we have yeah. to come up with a title that sounds interesting. And you know, what I was thinking. Try to stop saying you know over and over again. <laughs> so if you hear <laughs> tapping on the table, we now have a sign that says "Don't say you know." <laughs> it's like don't don't play stairway. It's where you sit down and like don't say you know. Don't say you know. So. We have, uh, I don't even know where I was now. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'll stop <laughs> tapping okay. it. <laughs> uh, now you were, you were saying that. Oh, naming things. Yes. So oh, as right. a YouTube, YouTube channel, we always have to come up with a name. And uh, I have, I like bushcraft things. Mm. I make bushcraft knives and I like the idea of bushcraft. It comes from uh, Australia. Uh, they have the bush. And it has a resurgence and people love bushcraft and whether that's camping or bushcraft or what, it's all the same thing. It's just getting out into the woods and testing your skills and doing some stuff. And, and, uh, and then there's purists that are like, well, bushcraft is only if you're only using tools that you made yourself and you're not, you know, there's no lighters and things like that. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's however you want to do it. Yeah. You, know, you be you. There's uh, again, there's many different names for it. Right. So we went with a popular one. Yeah. And just axe as a simple thing, maybe not hack, hatchet, because axe will probably get more searches. Right. And we're and, not misleading yeah. people. We're not making one of those titles like, oh, you won't believe. Right. Or I'm not. What he did yeah, to his I'm, finger with this sharp, uh, <laughs> deadly weapon. A sensational and, title. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> Cut my arm off. <laughs> and people do that. And ours, yeah. I mean, ours are, uh, that's another thing we want. Really simple, s- straightforward titles. titles. Right. And there you go, folks. You can make a simple title <laughs> that says just exactly what it's doing. Right. With some keywords, but very simple, right. nothing flashy. And I guess it can get you a million if you're lucky. Right. Who knows? And I was making the axe. You know, I'm not making from scratch. Right. I didn't say forging a, a bushcraft axe. You know, right. So I didn't forge it, but I took a, a half hatchet and changed it, modded it, and made it into a bushcraft axe. <laughs> Hatchet. Yeah, people hate it. You're not making it. I wanted to, I thought you were going to make it from the the beginning of anything. Like, okay, if you make a table, are you also felling the trees? Right. And cutting the limber (laughs) and then, and then, and then uh, doing your nails in the forge. (laughs) It has to come from some, some, all the screws. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. The guys on the Knife Talk podcast mentioned, they talk about it all the time. Like, you get into the ins and out of what making is, you know, oh, you didn't forge it. So you're not a knife maker. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I also didn't melt the iron and then pour the bar stock. Yeah, it's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's if you are creating something, as long as you're not lying, which is what they say. And I'm not saying that I'm doing something that I'm not, you know, I was making, so I'm 
taking something and making it into something. Right. Right. Which is, I think, you know, what's important is, you know, again, as long as you're not lying, as long as you're not saying one thing or titling your, your videos, one thing that's a lie to get people to come see it. Right. Then that's when you lose people. But it is funny. People are like, you didn't make it. Dislike, unsubscribe. <laughs> we're like, all right, see ya. <laughs> If that's what puts you, if that's the worst YouTube title you've heard, the most right. misleading YouTube title. Yeah. And, all right. What are we going to do? <laughs> but yeah. All right. Hang on. We, we want to read some quotes. We'll do yeah, like, we uh, um, we'll try to find some, not quotes. Well, comments. I guess it is good. Yeah. yeah. Comments on, on our, on the videos and talk about them a little bit. Yeah. And you guys can leave stuff on a set. We'll, we'll try to find a way to talk with you guys more. Right. You can go to the autocraft and chip at Gmail leave us uh, questions and stuff for the podcast. Yeah. Cause we think we'll just use that email for everything. Right. And you can also always send uh, a direct message DM through Instagram as well. If, if that's your Avenue, you can send us through that too. Right. And we can start to go, Hey, they, they asked a question about this podcast or that, but for right now we have a lot of comments on the videos that we can just write fun comments that we like that are, some are good. Some are, some are bad. <laughs> we'll go through and talk about a couple of them. Yeah. Again. There was one by Warren C. He says, this may sound strange, but I'm really happy to see that a big chunk of your tools are from Harbor, Harbor Freight. Uh, it, it's nice to see that someone can make slash restore something very nice without 20K worth of woodworking tools. Right. Do, yeah. <laughs> do we contradict ourselves? We contain multitudes. <laughs> right. So we want nice things, American made, but you have to start somewhere with some tools. Right. Not everyone's going to jump right to DeWalt or, or, or a big... A trusted tool company. Yeah. Yeah. You can't always get like a powermatic table saw or a saw stop or you know, a drill press that's made from, you know, like you said, yeah. One of the big names is, you know, you build up what you can, what you can get at the time to do what it needs to do for you. Right. Beg, borrow, or steal your tools. Yeah. <laughs> right. You end up with a kind of a ragtag group and, uh, people seem to like that about the channel. Yeah. And, and again, that's not a, necessarily a choice dustin's always upgrading tools right but that's what he has in the shop and you can definitely get the job done right yeah i mean in in this bushcraft axe video i was using the 4 by 36 sander to do a lot of the grinding on the bevel and you know it's not something i would do now on a bevel because i have upgraded and i have different tools to do that but at the time it worked perfect it worked exactly how i needed to do i'd figured out a way to make it work and it did the job and it was the tool that i had which is what's important, you know, use the tools that you have and do the best that you can do with them. Uh, and then obviously as you get more tools and you expand, it's not, it's not going to take away from our channel. We're not going to stop getting new tools because people like the fact that it's just Harbor Freight tools, but we do, <laughs> you know, we do have them. You know, a lot of what I have is that, and a lot of those are really quality tools and they'll do the job that it needs to be done. And for the price, you can't beat the price. Right. <laughs> if, if, uh, if Dustin updates his tools, we still always have the old videos of him doing. Right. So hopefully you'll get to see many different ways to make a knife. <laughs> right. Exactly. From the beginning in, of yeah. Dustin using this Harbor Freight tools to yeah. now having the two by 72 right. and maybe eventually getting an oven. Yeah. And these standards that people hear and, you know, who knows one day get another shop with a right with jet, all sorts of big jet, stuff, yeah. laser, you know, whatever. Right. And I'm going to use those tools because I'll have them. Yeah. And that's, that's the point, right? It's like, you're going to use what you have and you're going to make the best of it. Yeah. And if I, the more tools I get and it'd be great. And I, I didn't, you know, when I first started doing uh knife making, I, 
it was just a hobby. You know, I wouldn't have thought that I would keep going as much. You know, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't think that I would do as much. And I, you know, I didn't know I'd have a two by 72. I didn't even know what a two by 72 was <laughs> right. when I first started making knives. I had a wok <laughs> and I had charcoal briquettes in it to, to you know, do my heat treating. So who knows, you know? Yeah. And there's something to be said for those people with those amazing shops. Right. Because you get inspiration through that too. Absolutely. Not only do you get some type of inspiration to start. Yeah. From seeing someone using cheaper tools or maybe just hand tools that you can find at a flea market. Yeah. But something, it's this, it's a little bit of that escapism we talk about. Yeah. You're like, man, look at that shop. Yeah, like, maybe nice. people think ours is quaint and nice, <laughs> but then you go to some super shop and you see someone's perfectly like, lit, oh, amazing so nice. shop with all these machines yeah. lined up and it's perfectly clean and white floors. And you're like, man, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And who, yeah, I would love it. <laughs> We'd all love to have $20,000 worth of equipment in our shops. But, you know, you, again, you, you use what you have and you do the best with what you do. So when we have uh, 4 million subscribers, we'll yeah. have, we'll build a, uh, a super shop and then we'll have this fake set area that looks like an old basement where it doesn't use shitty tools that break. <laughs> yeah, right. Weird sounds pop on all the time. The furnace kicks on. We got to keep that same thing. You know, same. Like, that's what people want. You can't get any better. <laughs> like, it'll all look like it'll be a faux shop. So we'll, I'll shoot him doing the thing with the, the, with the old, uh, Delta, and then he'll go into a shop uh, and drill press. Or, yeah, no, you'll cut one out with an angle grinder, oh, right? And then you'll have a, a jet cutter cut a hundred blanks for you, and then you'll come back in, kind of dirty it up, mess it up a little bit. I've been here the whole time. Guys, this is the best I can do. But you know, it's been two months, and I cut out a hundred. So <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, I have another one. Um, we'll go back and forth a little bit. So. Uh, somebody asked me, this is uh, Wilson Lawson said, what's the difference between an axe, a hatchet, and a tomahawk? And we talked a little bit about that before, but but really it's about a size at this point. So an axe is going to be something that is in the three to maybe six pounds, right? You get up you get some pretty heavy felling axes, but an axe is going to be in that kind of around the, the three pound mark and up from there. A hatchet is going to just look like a small axe. So it's basically going to have the similar type style as an axe, similar um, designs, but it'll just be smaller. So anything from maybe a pound, you know, a pound up to three pounds. And then a tomahawk specifically, you're going to have a specific shaped eye. So axes have an hourglass shaped eye. So they're large at the top, they get narrow in the middle, and then they're larger at the bottom. So the inside of the eye is shaped like an hourglass, and that's designed specifically to slip to, to fit the axe on the top of the handle. So you're going in from the top of the handle and you're sliding it on. So it wedges onto the handle, but then also when you put your wedge in, it splits and spreads the wood open, and that is designed to keep the wood on. They'll keep the, the head on the handle. Now, a tomahawk is designed to have a slip fit. So you put a tomahawk on a handle that's narrower at the bottom and it's wider at the top of the handle and you slide the head on from the bottom and it slides up and it stops when it can't go any further. So that's the main difference between a, a tomahawk and a hatchet. So a tomahawk has a slip fit, which some axes have as well. Um, there are some some European axe companies that, that do that specifically that have that slip fit. Usually an axe or a hatchet will have an, an hourglass shaped eye. So you're, you put the head on from the top as opposed to a hatchet uh, tomahawk, which you put on from the bottom. It contains multitudes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I'll, I'll read one. Uh, Carl Strode said, very, very nice video. The only bad part is seeing the beautiful art you've created getting smudged in the dirt and that gnarly bullseye. <laughs> he's, he's referring to us uh, chucking 
all the axes at, at you know, a right. log. But then he goes on, your great presentation has inspired me to go right into my workshop and work on some axes I've been scrounging over the years. Thanks a million and carry on. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think that, that gets back to the fact that when you're making a tool or you're using a tool, it is a tool. Mm. Um, you know, if I make a knife and it turns out really beautiful and it's got a mirror polish, it's still a knife. It's still a tool. You got to go out and you got to use it. You got to get it dirty. It's going to get some patina on it. It's going to get some life. You might get a little chip in the handle or something here and there. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because it looked beautiful when you made it, but <laughs> everything, it looks great when you first get it, you know, you get a new jacket, you know, a new pair of jeans or something. They're going to be beautiful in one color, but then as you, as you use them and you age them, they're going to develop a patina or like you're going to, you're going to get some like nice marks and things on them that give you time and give a history. To which that is, yeah. Which thing. is cool anyway. So yeah. Don't worry about it. I mean, unless you totally break the tool, right? Which, which, uh, some people were worried about it right, and, yeah. and Dustin did throw it once and it, it didn't always hit and it, right. a little tiny crack developed on the bottom. And we have it right in front of him. He's, he's not much has changed, but mm-hmm. I guess you fixed the crack a little bit. Yep. Yeah. A little epoxy. Yeah. And I mean, it's nothing Close big. It it's like an inch. Yeah. But you can't barely see it. And then you put a, what'd you put I in put top? A metal, a metal wedge. So yeah, the head has slipped since then in the last year and a half. I've used this a bunch. That's the other thing. It's been great. You know, I've used it backpacking and, and camping and, and all sorts of trimming of stuff and, and harvesting wood around here, around just around my property for fire. And all those things happen. You know, I have, I, I didn't put a metal wedge in when I hung it on the handle because I don't think it's necessary. You know, you can hang an ax with just a wooden wedge. It should work perfectly fine that way if you do it right. But the great thing about a metal wedge is it does give you that reinforcement that, you know, if, if the head starts to come loose at some point, then throw a metal wedge in, spread it out a little bit and give yourself another, uh, another couple months or another year or so of, of, uh, of a strong handle. It's, that's what it's designed for in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, uh, people have come up with little tricks and tools and why not use them? Yeah, yeah, but people were giving us a lot of grief about throwing at the end. You know, <laughs> some some were good, some were bad. Some, oh yeah, the great job. You know, it's funny because there were really similar comments where there would be people, their comment was dripping with sarcasm, and it would be like, you know, you know, yeah, great idea. Why don't you finish the en- ending of the video with throwing axes and drinking beers? Sounds like a great idea. And then there'd be the same comment: oh, throwing axes and drinking beers at the end. What a great idea! <laughs> yeah, you I want to join you. <laughs> hey, it was it was that, just a great time. We'd yeah, have a party. That, and, come on, that's right. what happens. You yeah. get together with a bunch of guys and family, and you know that was everyone you saw in that video are was close friends and yeah. family. Yeah, and we we're just having a good time, and we ne- we weren't necessarily going to end the video with that originally, but Dustin said, "Man, this straight handle kind of feels like a throwing axe." Because if you watch the video, we had to change halfway through. Right. You kind of didn't you have more of a curve with the fawn's foot, kind of. Yeah. Then the eye, the shape of the eye was bigger. Uh, so you, um, yeah, you had to use, thought right. Yeah. So you used something different, and yeah. it looked kind of like a a tomahawk or some type of throwing thing it was pretty yeah. cool looking so we said well we were, we were going to get together anyway yeah yeah that was my birthday okay yeah so <laughs> it was it was your birthday and we're, we're everyone yeah. was coming together anyway and we always uh, seem to have some type of competition when we all get together <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> four brothers and then all our buddies and then our wives and stuff they they, they join in too yeah so we'll have we'll be throwing axes or horseshoes yeah Shooting bows. Shooting bows or pellet guns (laughs) or rifles and shotguns. There's always some type. Yeah, always some. Or just even kicking a ball around. There's always some type (laughs) of competition, some type of like, some type of game that we do. We're like, what can we do? How can we beat our previous score on something? Right. So we we ended with that because that's just what we do. 
yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah. All right. So moving on, I have another, uh, another comment. This is from, uh, Bud Chester chestnut. I'm not going to read the entire comment, but I'm going to read a little bit. So he says, uh, glad you have plenty of them, plenty of them in quotes ruined a perfectly good roofers and framers hatchet. That is very useful as is. Uh, I have my great grandfather's plum and have used it for years camping, clearing, and yes, for roof work. You did a beautiful job ruining it though. (laughs) (laughs) I make my own handles and, uh, I don't know what he's trying to say, but basically he changes them from standard straight to, uh, to add a sheep's foot at the bottom, leave a good length to allow choking up on it for nailing. Uh, and then he says, thanks for the site. So that's one of those comments. You're like, are you, are you, are you trying to be mean and critical or are you stating something? Cause at the end he's like, thanks, you know, it, it giving us some, some, yeah, do this. I guess, twice, I guess they don't know, want you like, getting too full of yourself. Right, and there's yeah. always, you'll have the uh, negative comment followed by what they've done or what they'll do. Yeah, so they're absolutely. explaining, look, I've done this and I've done this and I know this guy who does this. Yeah. It's fine, but yeah, I guess. And if it, if that, um, if that was, if that plum was our grandfather's, right? Yeah, Dustin wouldn't have cut it. Of course not. So of course you wouldn't cut your grandfather's yeah. hatchet or axe yeah. head. But that's one of you know a pile of twenty that he has right. that he got for a couple bucks. Yeah, and the difference is that you know I I picked it up from a yard sale. It's covered in rust and sitting there and on a broken handle. And who knows how long that's been in that dude's or that person's like shop or garage? Mm-hmm. It's been sitting there rusting away, and they're not going to use it. And it's either going to I'm going to buy it or they're going to take it to the dump. Right, they don't care about it. And so I'm going to buy it, and I might keep it the way it is. I have a few half hatchets that I keep. I have one from my like again one from my dad that I'm not going to do a rest a change on a modification on because it's one that he had. I have uh, one that has these really cool phantom bevels on it, and it, and that one I'm going to keep it the way it is because it has it has some really cool significance or it has something to it that is awesome the way it is, and I love half hatchets for that. But most of the time, you know. I'm I'm an axe guy. A half hatchet seems more, even more utilitarian than a right. normal axe. I mean, they literally probably made more than a million of those. Yeah, right. that exact, probably just that run. Right. You know. Yeah, I actually it's, recently commented. Someone asked, like, "Oh, where can I find these?" You know, I don't I don't see them in yard sales, or that you know, where can I find them? So check yard sales, check flea markets. You can usually get them for a couple bucks. But if you really want to make a mod go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever hardware store and buy one because they're twelve bucks. Right. You can buy one from Vaughn, brand new. You know, twelve ninety nine, and then try the mod. You know, <laughs> like so. If you if you're yeah. so worried about some what you think is this pristine antique thing that right. can't be touched, then yeah, go buy some cheap whatever. Yeah, that's made in China if right. you want, and then you can mod it and have it. But yeah, whatever makes you happy. Yeah, and and also I'm not you know I'm not a complete novice when it comes to axes. I know some stuff about axes. I've been doing it for years, and I've collected axes. So of course I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mod a Black Raven Kelly you know axe half hatchet right. because they're there. You know those are worth hundreds of dollars. You know, but if I have a Stanley, a Stanley, you know, it maybe you know it might be worth some money. Okay, but it's also it's worth money to me. It's worth it to, for me to mod it and have it and then use it all the time rather than just sitting in my bucket of axes that are rusting away. Right. <laughs> Waiting to get loved and restored and modded. Yeah. So I think that that's it, right? For, yeah, there's a lot more, a lot, a lot of meat, a lot of mean ones. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people liked it too. Um, so again, if you want to leave some stuff on there, 
some comments, and I guess you could even mention something about the podcast, AOCP or something, and, and maybe we'll try to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely leave comments, let us know. And again, you know, if you, if you know about these comments, one of the nice things that I, I think that's not completely necessary, but a lot of people will, will defend us on YouTube, which is <laughs> you know, people will be like, uh, you know, someone will leave a bad comment and then there'll be a bunch of comments on top of that are like, you know, leave, you know, he's doing a good job or he's trying to this, or obviously he's doing this. And, and although that is appreciated, it's not necessary. You guys don't have to defend us, but you know, but again, it just, it builds that, <laughs> it builds the uh, community. It's nice. You know, everyone's chatting, talking back and forth. Um, one of the, one of the things that a lot of people commented on and, uh, were critical about this one way or another, uh, one of the comments um, is from a guy, and I'm not necessarily going to, I'm not going to say his name just because it is a, more of a negative comment, but he said, uh, cut into the blade, but not he treated it again, instant dislike. So there there were a lot of comments on what I did to the blade where I actually reprofiled the blade. Uh, and in the video, I talked specifically about keeping it cool. So that way I don't heat it up. I don't reach those, you know, past those tempering temperatures, 400 degrees or above where it's going to actually soften the steel. Um, and actually on that comment, I went, I went back and forth a little bit with that guy and just kind of told him what my idea was. And he went back and forth and, and it, it went from being, uh, both of us kind of stating our positions a little bit aggressively. I tried not to be, you know, I tried my goal when someone leaves a bad comment is to win them over to my side or ignore them or ignore them. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but if, if I do respond, it's more like, how can I get them to see my point of view and then be happy at the end mm. and keep that viewer? Maybe. Um, yeah. And so, so when I, when I do think I can do that like this, you know, I, I gave, I responded with a general, like, this is why I did it, you know? And at the end I was like, I kind of know what I'm talking about sometimes. Right. I went back and forth a little bit. And then at the end I said, one of the comments I just said back to him was like, all right, you know, thanks. I appreciate the conversation. And then he's like, oh yeah, me too. Have a good one. Hope you're staying well. And so I won him over. And I was like, he went from being someone who, if I had just left it at the first point or, you know, I commented back, but I never responded back. He may never watch another video to now. He appreciates the fact that we can go back and forth and have differing points of views, differing opinions, talk about it a little bit and come to some type of conclusion. Or just, you know, just like, you know, I appreciate his point of view. I, pe- I appreciated the comment, the the conversation back and forth. But I did, I did, I was really careful about cutting into the steel, keeping everything cool while I was doing it. So that way I would not hit those temperatures and ruin the temper in the blade. So I didn't heat treat it afterward, but that's because I was being very careful about cutting. I kept a wet rag near me and I kept it on it and I kept my hand on the blade as well a lot of the times. And that... I know that if I can touch the blade and it gets to a point where I don't really want to touch it, then it's getting pretty hot, but that's still not anywhere close to 400 degrees. That might be 180 degrees or something like that. So I just keep my hand on the blade and keep working it and keep quenching it when it gets hot. And you know, I basically said to the guy, like every blade ever was grinded. <laughs> if you have a, if you have a blade, if, unless you're forging that blade directly to an edge, you're going to grind on it. He was, he was giving me crap about grinding as well as cutting away and, and I was saying every, every blade's been ground, you know, and, and they're all ground after heat treat because you have to heat treat it. And then you put the final grind on. You just have to be careful. A lot of people actually do all of their grinding after heat treat. So just keep your bucket of water close by and keep it cool and, uh, and have fun with it. And if you ruin it and it gives you a chance to learn how to heat treat an ax, <laughs> which I said I've done before. And I have, I've done 
larger mods uh, with some half hatchets where I've actually cut off some of the uh, hammer pole and then drew out the hammer to a spike. So it's like a, a hatcheroon. So a pickaroon is a, is a spike on the end of a handle that you can uh, mo- move uh, wood around wood, with. Right. Um, and I made a little hatcheroon. So it's got a, a blade on one side and the pick on the other side. And that obviously I had to do the entire heat treating process for the blade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dustin's a lot. I guess he's nicer than I am. I wouldn't even respond. I wouldn't even try to win you over. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it's not just because someone's criticizing. It's how you criticize. Right. Like anyone. If you're at work and someone just uh, shits all over you yeah. and doesn't say anything to help you, okay, I'm not going to listen to you ever again. Right. I don't care what you say. Yeah. But if someone helps, I'm like, hey, man, try this or that. Obviously, yeah. um, we don't know everything or close to it. Right. And if people from all over the world are watching us and, and just giving tips and joining in the community instead of, like, being on the outside. Right. Throw, yeah. Throwing rocks at people on the inside right. like now come come join us we'll let's we'll, all learn together yeah. and get better together yeah yeah that's yeah definitely something that um yeah, like you said you, know, you just try to ignore them and it's that's easy to do sometimes but it's it's also hard to do sometimes we want to we want to <laughs> defend ourselves but then as soon as i start to defend myself then i'm just i'm just giving over to them like now they have the power right you know, and, and, like, and you're yeah, yeah you're giving them a bunch of your time yeah when maybe someone who said something nice isn't getting your time. Right. I did win that guy over though. I guess. Or he or he's <laughs> the guy who gives us a thumb down a thumbs down every time we put a video. <laughs> it's the, the video could be up for thirty seconds. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. There's always that one. Boom, real quick. He's got alerts. Yeah, right. Point. Don't try to win me over. <clears throat> I wanted to uh read a couple things about I guess some of the history. But there's this cool uh True Temper Kelly diagram, and I guess it's the one that a lot of people use that has all the different types. The different styles. Different styles. Axe head styles. I'm going to read them off real quick. Long Island, Narrow, Wisconsin, New England, Yankee, Delaware, Dayton, Rafting, Hoosier, Wedge, Half Wedge, Connecticut, Michigan, Rockaway, North Carolina, Kentucky, Baltimore, Kentucky, Jersey, Wedge, Wisconsin, Narrow, Michigan, Michigan, Western, or Pennsylvania, Reversible, Full Peeling, Redwood, Young, Swamping, Puget Sound, <laughs> and they—that's uh, double bits and and yeah. different types. There There's so many, and yeah. that's right. You get these names of the things because where they were from and what they were used right. for, and that's yeah. another example of the East Coast of the U.S. Right? Yeah, eat your heart out, Wrangler Star, <laughs> East Coast yeah. guys. You know, yeah, where do you think all your axes yeah. come from? You had one in there, Puget Sound. <laughs> yeah, that's your that's your West Coast style. Yeah, and by the time they got all the way west, they had to like use three, four guys just to chop down one of those giant trees. <laughs> yeah, jeez, you gotta. Yeah, you can't use your just a single axe. But everything's named uh, behind be, because of a lot of the East Coast Where stuff. They come from and the, the type of wood they were cutting down. Right. So yeah, they're you know they came from from Europe. They brought axes over, and they realized that you know pretty early on that those axes, which worked well on European size trees which obviously they have the alps and there's plenty of land but they they're also thousands of years of development in and being harvested right so they you know as soon as people came over and came over to america and we had all this untouched forest that had been hundreds and hundreds of years um, untouched and they had different size trees and big you know big trees and a lot of hard wood and different mm-hmm. things and so each different area developed their own styles for axes things that worked better so probably you know some feller some lumberjack was out in the woods and he was using his axe and it wasn't doing exactly what he wanted so he went to his local 
blacksmith and said, Hey, can you do this? Can you make the bit a little bigger? Or can you give me, you know, less pole and more bit, or can you bring the cheeks down to be a little pointier or a little less pointier? Right. Or, you know, can you mod this ax to do what I want it to do? Yeah. And some of those are happy accidents. Someone, right. You got yeah. this big wide, some type of thing or, and then it would chip off and get smaller or, yeah. or the angle of the blade would, would tip or get a certain different shape. Right. And you go, this works so much better. Can you just make them like this? Yeah. Harden this part of the blade. Um, I'm going to read something. Uh, I forget where it's from, but I, I'll try to do better with where I'm, I'm getting what I'm reading. <laughs> um, Americans modified European axes for two principal reasons. First, the European axes were not as well suited to the virgin stands of huge, huge trees right. found in America as they were for the smaller timber stands of Europe. The European axes were good tools for hewing, but less adequate for felling. The second reason is that many of the Europeans who left their homelands for an uncertain future in America, America were prepared to adapt and survive their pioneering spirit, bred ingenuity. The need for better felling axe, the need to process huge amounts of timber during America's settlement, and American ingenuity may develop of the American felling axe inevitable. Right. Yeah, exactly. They came over and they had yeah they had a need to fill mm-hmm. and they had to adapt. I mean, just the fact that they were able to were willing to leave their country and everything comfortable behind and come over here was their was just a tribute to the, how they were willing to adapt anyway. And then coming over and, and seeing the need and changing it as as they needed and making different tools. Again, modding, modifying something they had. You know, you can't mod it. You didn't make that, frontiersman. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? You know, that, right? Yeah. The uh, the Hudson Bay axe. You know, the Hudson Bay axe was designed because there were. You know, they took a normal axe and they cut a ton of the pole off. They wanted a nice wide bit, something that could still cut down a lot of stuff, but it wasn't as heavy. You know, they had to put it in a pack and they had to go out into the West and into the frontier. And, you know, Hudson Bay was making things like that for those type of people, those trappers and those, um, you know, the frontiersmen that were going out and they needed a lighter axe. So again, they're just, they're modifying an axe to do what they wanted to do, which is what we did in the video. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and it's not just a, um, yeah, it's anyone who came over and, and had this frontier experience, right. this going out, doing, wanting to take your family or whoever, not even maybe just a trapper and you have to make a yeah. cabin. And that, that, that was plenty of French yeah. up north and, and plenty of obviously English and then first generation Americans. And then um, it's everybody pushing through. Yeah. Frontiersmen, trappers, all those types mm-hmm. of people who just had to get it done and had to figure out a better way to get it done. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and being, um, a lover of axes and, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of the trends and things. I mean, people love Hudson Bay axes. They're, they're very popular right now for a good reason. And, and if it wasn't for those, and those innovative spirits of people change, willing to change things and make something that that axe would never exist. Right. And it's, uh, obviously it's one of the oldest tools that all of mankind have used yeah. for so long. So we're not trying to take it as an American thing, but we want to appreciate the history. That's like anything, anyone collecting yeah. anything old. Yeah. You love the stories of why it's old just right. as much as using it and yeah. having it. You like to think of, oh, where'd it come from? Yeah. Who, who could have used this? Who, maybe they were out somewhere doing something <laughs> cool. Um, read another thing. While the axe has gone through transformations from stone, copper, bronze, and iron to steel, its overall shape and function have remained consistent. The axe was the first real woodworking tool, one of only a few available for a long period. Yeah. For centuries, the axe was one of mankind's most useful tools. And this right. was obviously before 
way before iron and then way before steel. Yeah. When yeah. you started to get these advancements that also helped and because that helped move it forward was right. not only the Americas, but it was the advent of of easier easier uh what steel being right. able to make steel in Pennsylvania yeah, manufacturing, yeah, right. manufacturing right. and getting that stuff available and bringing blacksmiths over to right. take care of their tools and then pushing out that way and learning learning through that right and you know the technology has come a long way as far as the actual head of the the axe but how it's attached to the wood handle that's i mean once once people have found that to put a hole in the head of the axe and then put the wood through <laughs> the, the technology hasn't advanced much since then except for maybe the material but even still you know you like i would much rather prefer to use a wooden handle than say a fiberglass handle now fiberglass might be stronger and it has some flex to it but there's just something pure and something just beautiful about that wood and that metal connection that just you can't beat i mean people have been doing it the same way for a long time because it works so well and wood has the natural flex to it and you can shape it and you can make it how you want it and then you can you know secure it to that axe head and and you know it's 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 sad and disheartening when an axe handle breaks but that's the thing that it's designed to break and not break the axe head. The axe head can stay with you for a long time. You can make a new handle for it. Um, but of a, a friend of our father's, my dad tells a story pretty often about his buddy, Kenny. Um, and Kenny was a big dude, you know, six two, probably 250 pounds, 260 pounds, something like that. Uh, he was just, he was just a beast. And he would, you know, he's one of those guys that just, like nothing could slow him down when he was working. And and my dad talks about how he's had this, this, uh, um, fiberglass handle on an ax that no one could break. It had been around forever. And of course, (laughs) Kenny breaks it. He's using it like splitting wood or cutting something down and smashes it. And it's like big giant brute, you know, (laughs) but but who knows? Who knows if, if, if that was a wooden handle, if he would have broken it sooner or not. And, and, but still fiberglass, it's still done the same way. And there have been some different technologies. Plum has done, um, the permabond, which is a way to, you put the wooden handle in and then you put an epoxy on top and different people have done different things like that. But still there's just like a, just an elegance about putting a wedge in the top and you know, using that, that uh, hourglass or shape of the, the head to secure a handle. And it's just beautiful. I love it. Yeah. There's, there's the tradition of it. Right. And it is the easily acquired, easily harvested right. resource. Right. That can, you know, y- you have to go back and you want to do fiberglass. Yep. Who knows what they're using and how long it takes and what resources they're pulling from where. Right. You know where the wood's coming from. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you can pull it right out of your backyard if you're lucky enough to have some. Yeah. Of those types of trees. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Craig Lockwood just recently on a knife talk podcast was talking about how he acquired a, a, a part of land in France. So they have these like pieces of land that people can buy to own a little bit of woodland and you can't build on them, but you can have them to go camping in or whatnot. So he recently, he's been trying for a while to get one and he got it and he's super excited because now he has stand of wood that he can use for firewood, but he also has all this wood that he can use for knife scales. Mm. He's like trying to stay more and more like what, he, what can he do from home? What can he do that's sustainable? And now he has his own land that he can get his wood from. And like, that's so cool. You know, I just think that's great. He's like bought land. So he has a sustainable resource of his wood that he can harvest and plant and grow and, you know, and have it all his own, his own there. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. 
Um, so we are getting to, uh, we're a little bit over an hour, so we're going to, um, get to the second part or the, you know, an ending part of this podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, recommendations, things that we have, um, to recommend for you guys to watch. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. If I can find, I pulled up the, the page that I wanted to show in the exact video, St. Wilderness Adventures, mm. uh, ST and then Wilderness Adventures, um, on YouTube, on YouTube, right. Uh, Satoris, Satoris, <laughs> European fella. Sorry if I got your name wrong and you're listening. Uh, but his channel's awesome. Yeah. It's not even a year old. Um, he has like 24,000 subscribers, but that's, that's pretty awesome yeah, for one a year. Job. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of views. When I first watched him, probably, I guess maybe he just had the one video out, but he had commented on, on a video of ours. Right. And I kind of saw his cool badge. I was like, right. I wonder if he has a channel and then checked it out. And sure enough, I think it's his first video, four days solo bushcraft. And it's, it's, there's no talking at all. It's really, it's really beautiful. The way he shoots it, he definitely has an eye for that. His camera gear is awesome, and, and the sound he captures is amazing. It's 45 minutes long, and just him by himself, solo bushcraft. He has this cool canvas tent. He carves a spoon. He makes a frame saw. He does a lot of cooking. He makes his pot hanger. But he, yeah, he, he goes out and with a few tools, a uh, hatchet and an axe, and, and obviously he's got his knife and stuff. He makes this great little camp. Yeah. And and just every show. It's so relaxing. It's that escapism. And every one of his videos, are, I think, are like that. And he, didn't he, just, he just had one with a buddy of his. Right, yeah. I haven't watched that. So I don't know if they talk, but maybe he just kind of <laughs> does a wide angle of them walking right. around. But yeah, they did a good job. And you, yeah, you reached out to me pretty soon. Like, as soon as you saw that, you reached out to me. You got to check this guy out. He does a really good job. Yeah. He really shoots it really beautifully, which, you know, what most people will know if they've seen our channel is important to us. Oh, we right? try. Yeah. yeah. But his, I mean, he, the landscapes he has, yeah, you can't yeah. beat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These mountain ranges and these places, the places that he hiked out to are just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Gorgeous. So definitely gorgeous check views. him out. I mean, he's already taken off he's so got he's yeah. got really big videos eight hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, yeah, yeah. two hundred. he's he's crushing it so he didn't need our help but uh but yeah go check, check him out saint wilderness saint wilderness adventures adventures gotcha on youtube cool yeah all right my recommendation this week is uh is going to be axe related because we talked about the uh, bushcraft axe video and i'm um if, if you are a lover of axes and you probably already know this, but there's a really awesome book called an ax to grind. And there are a series of videos, two videos that go along with that, uh, by uh, a really awesome, um, uh, he's, he's a, uh, historic preservation team lead. His name is Bernie wise Gerber. And so he has a two part video series called an ax to grind. It came out at the same time as his books came out in 1999. Uh, and it's just a really awesome reference video. If you are into axes at all, he talks about, uh, different axe styles. He talks about hanging axes. He talks about grinding and sharpening axes and just kind of, it's, it's almost like 
the axe junkie Bible. <laughs> if you know anybody who, who loves axes or is a part of, you know, an ax, the axe junkie Facebook page, like I am, you know, they'll, they'll know that guy. They know Bernie Weisgerber and they know uh, an axe to grind, but if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. It does a really awesome job. Um, and Bernie, if you're listening by any chance, uh, we would love to have you on the podcast. Yeah. That's a, he's only on our list. <laughs> he's on definitely. our list. So hopefully we'll be able to get we'll him have, on. We'll I have to find a way to get to him. He's probably on cabin somewhere in <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wyoming. We got to find him yeah. and hunt he- him down. Hewing some logs and making a new cabin. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, it's a really, really awesome video. Um, tons of information. It's a great resource. So definitely, if you're interested, definitely go check that out. Um, that is Bernie um, Weisgerber on on YouTube and uh, video one and two and a, a really awesome book to go along with it. Yeah, you can find him. Yeah, I guess multiple people have uploaded on YouTube. And the only other way you can get it is, I think, buy it on VHS. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which is great. I was looking like, yeah, you can buy the two yeah. VHS set. Like, uh, I guess I'm going to watch it on YouTube. All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening today. It has been fun. This is our second episode and uh, hopefully we'll get some cool guests on and uh, we're going to be on the Makery Network, which is a network of podcasts all by makers and uh, Craig Lockwood from Knife Talk is uh, the host of that network. And there's also some really cool, uh, really awesome podcasts on the network, the Full Blast podcast by Jeff Fader and Knife Talk and House uh, Housework, Brian from Housework, his, his podcast called Work For It. Uh, handmade and a simple little life, uh, unseasoned. There's a bunch. They're awesome. So you can find them on all of your podcast networks and you can find them on the makery. Our podcasts will be out on Fridays from here on out on the makery network. Yeah. We'll try, we'll try always to, uh, put them out on Fridays for as long as this lasts. Yes. Hopefully Hopefully. it's a long time. And, uh, I think our, you know, number went down about half. Yeah. We still (laughs) did some, you knows, but I think we're halfway there. So next time, next Friday, we'll have like only like 20, you knows, (laughs) you know, guys. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers, just like you at www.makery.network. Thank mm-hmm. you.